Wow. Hi, Lana Clark. Hi, how Hi. are you? Hi, I see you're in your studio. Um, thanks yes. for joining us today. Yes, yes, yes. It's wonderful to meet you virtually and start this conversation. Same, same. Um, well, we, as you know, we're focusing on preserving this moment in the form of these conversations. What is your, mm -hmm. your experience of this moment and in all the ways that it's absolutely particular to you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and maybe even how it's informed your practice at this point. Um, so maybe we can just start with this question, which is, what do we need to know in order to understand how you in particular have experienced this current moment this year? <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. I think that Because, uh, yeah, so there, <laughs> one, where are the words even going to come from? There are so many traumas associated with this moment, and it's really hard to even compartmentalize or, like, create some sort of, like, lineage or, like, even make any sense out of it. And so even for me to think about, you know, what you would need to know in terms of that then relate to how I'm understanding this moment. My brain is just like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that's what initially comes to mind. Then after I get through that complete brain freeze um, and the like confusion of where to actually even start. I mean, I think that <clears throat> overall, I mean, I think, so not kind of thinking about COVID-19, so putting that trauma aside and thinking about our current, like, political realm, which then, of course, intertwines with COVID, but if COVID wasn't happening, but we were still <laughs> existing within, you know, complete social and political unrest, I, th the thing from how I'm understanding this moment is that none of this is new at all right like all of the things that are now hashtags or conversations that people who have never really thought about these things are having like this is nothing new to me and not to sound like pretentious or or like um i don't want to curse on this but like <laughs> you know, an asshole, <laughs> but like, if you exist in a body that is socially and politically marginalized, this is not new. This is your everyday existence. This is, you, you know, has been your reality since, you know, the, the second you were brought into the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if you are lucky enough to make it into uh, your adult life, right, and your life not, not be tragically um, taken from you and, and brutally taken from you, right, like, you are still existing within frameworks of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. um, and everything about how you understand yourself and how you navigate the world is conditioned by that truth, you know? Um, and it's really difficult because it's completely overwhelming um and how do you even find 
ways or even moments of like solace, right? Or even opportunities to really reflect on the specificities of your existence um, and try to see that bigger, larger picture, right? Mm -hmm. Where you exist and then all of these other entities exist, right? Like how can we see that system? Like getting there is so, so difficult, but my visual art practice, right? And, and the like kind of curiosity and like inclination to continually deconstruct things like that has allowed me to like be in this position where I can do that. Um, and so that's kind of good, kind of bad in the way that, so good in the way that none of these things are new. I've already been thinking about these things and I, want to think about that bigger picture, right? Like how can we exist in ways that are not completely like compartmentalized, right? And exist in ways where we orient our bodies towards equity and justice. Um, and then simply, but also doesn't seem very simple of like seeing another person's humanity, you know? Um, and so, yeah, long short of it is none of this is new. And I've already been thinking about all of these things that are now hashtags and social media one-liners, right? Mm -hmm. um, I have no solutions. I don't know if we can ever <laughs> like, like really resolve this, right? I mean, especially if not everyone within your society or your community is um, interested in going through this process of deconstruction um, and, and reorientation. Um, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this may be far too large a question, but let's see. What, what does a process of deconstruction look like? I know that is huge, but, you know, yeah. you know even the brush strokes of it, what does it look yeah. like? I mean, uh, I'm absolutely still figuring that out. Um, <clears throat> but I think for me, what that looks like is a, a, a process of unlearning. Um, and, and what I mean by that is so... <clears throat> Like the, so there's an, an artwork behind me. Um, and I, I think actually this piece is a wonderful example of this like process of like unlearning and reorientation. Um, and so I'm, my background is I'm Caribbean from Trinidad. Um, and then that, that means many things, right? So I, I'm an immigrant within the United States but I'm perceived as being African-American, right? Um, but I, I'm also then, because I'm from the Caribbean, there's this history of colonialism, right? That's integrated within my being. Um, and so the ways in which I have now come to understand colonialism and white supremacy to have operated within me personally is through the histories that I inherited. Um, so from the matriarchs of my family, so specifically my mother. Um, and so these like kind of beautification processes, right? Um, which would be like 
using skin lightening creams or um, like pinching the bridge of my nose every night in an effort to like straighten it so it's not so wide, right, and flat. Um, and, and then using like chemical hair relaxers and weaves, right? And so the material that this work behind me is made out of is hair bonding glue. And so it's basically liquid rubber latex and you use that, you, you take a, a small amount of the material um, and you put it on like a weave, which is hair and then there's thread. So it creates like a long track that you then attach to your head. So literally just gluing in someone else's hair into <laughs> your head um, and that hair is straight, it's long. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, not that, in in the abstract or in, there's anything kind of maybe wrong with that right like the the this like history of hair for black women is really complicated right and there are many different reasons why you would choose to like transform your hair but for me specifically like these were tr traditions that were passed down and i had no choice in these processes but i then understood them to be necessary and normative and me even like seeing my hair without it having without it being like chemically straightened like i didn't know what to do with myself it it was like something <laughs> that i understood to be completely wrong that i needed to correct and so then you engage in these really destructive rituals right mm -hmm. and then over time right like it, the weaves and and the chemical relaxers like makes your hair follicles really brittle. And so it's damaging, literally damaging you um, physically and also psychologically. So this kind of lack that you understood existing within you innately kind of became real and physical and true. And so now it's this kind of really perverse in, um, interdependent relationship between you and these materials. And so as you know, I grew older, I started questioning these processes and I didn't want to do this anymore, but I, it was like really agonizing, kind of severing and separating myself from that um, and allowing my hair to exist in its natural state, right? It's kinky, it's radical, and that is okay, right? There's nothing wrong with that. That is who I am. Um, and so then, this process of like unlearning and, and reorientation for me occurred in that realization and then bringing this material into the studio. Um, and it also then existing in at, at these various intersections where it is object-based, but it's also performative. Um, and I'm pouring hundreds and hundreds of bottles of this material on a flat surface, usually in like a, a rectangular shape. Um, and then it starts to cure from the top, creating this like really thick skin. So the longer it cures, the thicker the skin gets. Um, and then I am jumping in with all parts of my body, my hands, my elbows, my feet, um, uh, parts of my legs right and and performing gestures that are associated with gestures performed on the body like twisting pulling pinching um ripping um and then 
those kind of movements are captured within the surface of the uh, of the piece mm -hmm. and then they kind of are then completely cure and it's frozen in time and so i am creating new rituals with this material that are not destructive right so i'm reorienting them in a way that is now healing and cathartic for me um, and, and that has been a really, really powerful and an extremely transformative process for me. Um, and so, yeah, so, the, I, so for me, that's like an example of it. And then the work in the end, I'm then kind of peeling it and then reshaping it so it's not um, ultimately in a rectangular shape. So it's kind of break, again, like breaking that rectangle um and then the material is also kind of alive because over time it dries out and then i have to moisturize it um with i'm gonna grab the bottle because i just think yeah. it's so funny <laughs> so i have to moisturize it with this material called black beauty what? I know, which is a latex polisher. <laughs> um, and so I'm, you know, literally moisturizing and caring for the skin uh, of this object. Um, so yeah, like, so thinking about these processes and rituals of care mm -hmm. that for, for me were very like destructive and traumatic mm -hmm. and reorienting those gestures to serve in my healing, to make myself whole again. Wow, just a little early when we were speaking off tape, you said that they exist as poems. Do you need to talk a little bit more about what Yeah, that yeah, and so a little bit of, the history so like my practice is interdisciplinary my background was in photography um, but my practice in its current state um, I, I make video performance works I make weird objects that kind of exist at an intersection it is this it's not this it is and not at all at the same time um, and then text and language has also become a really important part of my practice. Um, and so a, piece, or, or a project that I was working on before these pieces, I was using cocoa butter as my material um, and creating these um, poems with the material. And so I was getting wooden letters fabricated, making a mold out of that, and then melting down cocoa butter, pouring it into the mold, and then and I pull it and now I have a letter that's made out of cocoa butter. Um, and wait, I completely forgot your question. Oh, it was just and what? <laughs> <laughs> the moment, okay? It's the moment. It's not. It's not us. <laughs> we were talking like, about how they talking? Oh, the poem. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like, why did I start talking about this? <laughs> You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm always reading, I'm always consuming uh, literature. Um, and 
I'm then always writing and kind of pulling out like fragments, either words or like sentences, and then reconstructing those things to make poems of my own. And so from through that process, then kind of bringing that same idea into these works in terms of how I'm titling them. Um, so like the title of the series is As the Ground, and then each work will be individually titled, which I haven't like figured all of them out yet. So I haven't had a complete conversation with every piece yet to see what they want to be named. <laughs> um, but the ones that I have and how I'm thinking about it, um, or thinking about it existing is like little sentences or phrases or words that if you're kind of like reading them, they are also very poetic and hint to the conceptual nature of the work. Um, and then also could be like strung together in, in different orders to create new like articulations and new meanings as well that would then further um, like break open the work that you're seeing on the wall or in whatever space it's um, installed in. Yeah, so that's a bit of my thinking about that, but not it, not it not being completely done or figured out, but how I'm going through the process um, or the, like the, the decision-making process, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I, I just want to cycle back to another point of who you are that you mentioned. You said, I am, you know, immigrant as well. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, in, I've heard you talk about this idea that there are multiple narratives, right? There are multiple mm -hmm. histories as well. And I'm, I'm just wondering how, I mean, if at all, how has that aspect of who you are, this, that, this being an immigrant, you say, what has that made visible to you about where you are now, this, this country that you're in, this place that you're in, this state that you're in, this life that you're in, this history? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, so, you know, I think that's ever evolving. Mm -hmm. And for me, what that initially felt like was, you know, this idea that I, I wasn't Black enough, um, which is really hard, right? Um, because that would come from other people who are Black, right, um, within a, an American cultural context. But to, to them, I wasn't necessarily Black enough. Mm -hmm. And I, and so that's one thing, which is, let's, I'll circle back to it. <laughs> but, well, okay, no, I'll start, I'll start there and then kind of think about how I'm understanding this in our present time mm -hmm. or even not understanding it. But anyways, um, so yeah, this idea of not being Black enough then led me to kind of wonder, like, what does it mean to be Black in the first place, right? Like, mm -hmm. what do I need to take ownership of that I'm not, right? Because I, I don't know, right? Um, and how Blackness is articulated is really different depending on diaspora, right? Um, and so then I, I, you know, I kind of just like went through this process through either like literature, mostly literature, um, to like think about this like intersection of, 
being for me specifically Caribbean, um, but being black. Um, so I was reading a lot of like Franz Fanon and like trying to really understand these different histories um, and understand like the compartmentalization of blackness, right? Um, and ultimately what I understood is that, or and Audre Lorde as well, right? Like she talks about this, this like notion of not being black enough. Um, ultimately what I decided on is, is this idea that is, I think just passed down to, to you know, many different groups of people, but I'm, I'm specifically thinking about being black and being a woman in the world. Um, this idea of just not, not being enough and, and not being able to kind of find comfort or exist in a space of rest or tenderness, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're kind of constantly being asked to like defend yourself or, or um, reduce yourself, right? And, and, and so then that idea of not being black enough or not being X enough like that's a tool of white supremacy, right? Um, to make you believe that you are existing within some type of lack, right? Um, and then also to look at each other, right? To look at the people who you could have camaraderie with, right? But look at them with suspicion. So you can't go through this process of unification and then go through this process of like understanding the complexity of your subject positions because you're always looking at each other um, suspiciously, right? And with doubt. Mm -hmm. And so those are all tools of the larger system um, to divide us, right? And for me, and I think <laughs> maybe just all of us that is still continuing to play out right um it, it's pitting us pitting the masses against each other in an effort to kind of divert attention away from the larger systems and institutions mm -hmm. um that are truly shaping our existence right mm -hmm. um and forcing us to bicker amongst each other and not be able to see each other's humanity, right? Um, and not be able to um, help each other, right? And, and kind of unify. Um, yeah, and, and so I get that, I guess that was a, a really long answer, but. <laughs> yeah, well maybe for the last question, um, I referred to something you said the very beginning, you know, I noticed this tension. You said, you know, this is not new, right? Which, mm -hmm. which implies a knowing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There is an incoherence to this moment as well, which implies a mm -hmm. not knowing, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't know if, it's, if, if you can speak to that tension I have to feel, or maybe there is nothing you can say about incoherence. Really. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I know, I, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I think, yeah, this, this like knowing, not knowing, certainty, uncertainty, 
and like that being a spectrum. But I just, I, I ultimately think it's just so sad because we live in such a, and exist within such a small fragment of the universe. And even our understanding, it, right, we, we, we are only existing within the known universe, right? There are so many unknown knowns, right? Like we know we don't know some things. <laughs> um, and it's just, to me, so sad, like the state of affairs, because God, the, the world, the universe is so huge and fascinating and, and like the power like humanity is so powerful like we've literally created miracles right technology like the fact that I can talk to you like this or like the technology that we uh, all are accessing every day like that is incredible it's mind-blowing um, and, you know, technology has, like, accelerated so, like, rapidly that a hundred years ago, I don't even think, you know, maybe people could imagine the things that we have right now, you know? So, like, humanity is so powerful. There's so much potential for good and, and to orient ourselves towards, like, life and like expansion of our like understanding of who we are and our like place in the universe and you know this may sound like super hippie-ish and I don't often <laughs> like articulate these things but I just and it's really kind of overwhelming if I really just think about it too much because I just I just think it's so sad there's so much more to the world and to the universe and to our existence and I like why <laughs> did we choose this right and like and I guess you know any kind of generation or era of people pro there's probably someone saying what I'm saying right now right mm -hmm. so I don't know maybe that's just a part of humanity but it's why is that a part why does it and does it need to continue right and what is the purpose what's the point of that right mm -hmm. and so uh, yeah uh, 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 like I want to have hope mm -hmm. but hope is such a tricky word mm -hmm. and space because and yet I often kind of just default to that right especially when I'm like speaking to other people about everything that's happening because it you know if you don't have hope then what do you have I don't know like is the other side of hope action right and is hope too much of like a magical imaginary space where like you're taking a completely hands-off approach and then hoping everything will turn out okay right <laughs> so can we have action right like can we exist 
just in a space of like action and intersectional transformation. Um, and I do not know. I am trying to do that, right? Um, but how do you model something that you've never seen necessarily, right? Um, like you have little bits and fragments and right that you have seen and now you know and now you inhabit. Um, but how do you like make that a framework? Um, and how do you actualize something that has not necessarily existed on this scale? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do not know. Wow. But I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, but it almost—it makes me wish there was a word for not knowing, waiting to see, and living in the meantime. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the dictionary experts or the, the linguists and <laughs> come up with something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Alana, thank you so much, especially for the additional treat of being able to see the work in yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you for giving us a chance. Um, yeah. Is there, is there anything I didn't ask you about or you, you would want to leave here? Um, um, I don't think so. I think, I think this, this was like a therapy session, I feel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so I'm glad. I'm feeling a, a lot lighter right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right? This, sometimes this, in all of this, the, the small connections are the huge, the biggest yes in the day right yeah, so. oh gosh absolutely absolutely <laughs> oh oh man yeah but maybe I, I do have yeah i i hope to see action in the world mm-hmm. um and there's so so much potential and possibility um and we just need to access it and activate it right all of the like amazing attributes that we admire and idealize in other people like they exist within us as well right like you have the power to transform your future through action um and it's time and let's do this and i'm ready i've been ready <laughs> i'm ready i've been ready ready is the best of words <laughs> I can think of. <laughs> Thank you so much. I should copyright it. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you.